Let's pray. Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name. And Holy Spirit, I welcome you specifically, even though you've been welcomed throughout this whole service. I welcome you here now to lead us and to teach us and to guide us into all truth because that's what you do. That's what you are. And we just welcome you here now in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to speak one more Sunday on the Holy Spirit. I just couldn't stop last Sunday. I had one more. The Lord just brought to me uh, a compelling evidence, if you will, of the purpose of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives today. As it was in the early church, it's just as important as it is for us today as it was then. So I want to speak this morning on a lot of scripture. We're going to spend quite a bit of time going through our scriptural basis to give us a good understanding of why we seek God in all that the Holy Spirit has to offer. That we don't limit him in any way, shape, or form when it comes to the power and the moving and the effectiveness of the Holy Spirit in our life. And can I say that as a pastor of this church, I would encourage everyone to experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit and to seek everything that God has through the Holy Spirit in building up us individually and building us up corporately as a body of Christ in this community and in a dark world that we live in. There's nothing more that I would have for everyone to have a daily experience with the Holy Spirit. I mean a daily experience with the Holy Spirit, that we just don't do it on Sunday mornings or whenever the moment comes on a vertical worship or those special events, even though those are powerful, but that we would all have that, that closeness and that relationship with God on a daily basis and the Holy Spirit would flow through us in power and authority. That's what I would pray. And I think so many times that we've settled for less than that. I think so many times that we've settled for less than what God wants to give us. He wants to give us good gifts. Do you know that? He loves us so much. He wants to give us good gifts. And I would have us see that the gifts that God gives us are called gifts because he wants to give them to us. These aren't called badges. They're not called medals of honor. They're nothing that we pin on ourselves to say how spiritual we are and how good we are. That's not what they are. They're the gifts of the Spirit. They're the gifts of God's goodness. Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, it says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? These are gifts that God desires for all of his children to have. He doesn't pick out this child versus this child. He wants all of us to receive the good gifts. He wants all of us to receive that personal relationship with the, with the Holy Spirit that would just flood us with the good gifts that he has for us. Can we just recognize that the God of the universe, the creator of everything, the owner of the cattle on a thousand hills, that a God that lacks nothing and needs nothing from us or from anything, that when he says, I have a gift for you, can you not believe that that, he, that, that gift is the best he could ever give? I mean, he's not just giving you the leftovers. He's giving you the best of heaven. And yes, we can say, well, we have Jesus as the best of heaven. Yes, we do. But Jesus went away to send the other best of heaven called the Holy Spirit to come and live with us and to be a part of us and to lead us and to guide us and to comfort us. And I think so many times that we've just settled for less. We've said, no, God, I've got enough. I don't need any more. Man, I think that if I had... If I had a $100 bill right here, and if I had 10 $100 bills over here in this hand, which one would you take? Would you take the one or would you take the 10? I think most of us would take the $1,000, wouldn't we? Well, here, that's what God is saying. Folks, I have the gifts for you. 
and I just want to give them to you. I don't want to put you under compulsion. I don't want to make it under duress. I don't want to make it stressful. I don't want to make it contentious. I just have a gift. I just have a gift. Will you just receive it? And I know there's a lot of pushback because, we, because there's a devil in this world that doesn't want us to take the gifts of God. Because the more I take the gifts of God, the more powerful I am to defeat him. And he will bring as much as he can against this teaching of the gifts of God. And he will make it all kinds of confusing, debatable topics. And I just want to cut through the chase of it today. We're going to go through a lot of scripture today that talks about why the gifts are the gifts they are and why we can just reach out and grab them and hold them and, and, and use them every day. This is not hard. This is not difficult. This is very simple. We just have to believe it. We just have to believe it that God has the best in store for us. And that's why we've gone so slowly, quite honestly, over the past summer, we've spent multiple weeks on the Holy Spirit. Maybe you could say, well, you could have done that in one or two services, and maybe I could have, but I just felt the Holy Spirit taking us very slowly through the teaching of the Holy Spirit and and how important He is in our life that we don't hurry through that because it might be a little contentious. Because maybe for some of us, there's a pushback about, I don't need the Holy Spirit anymore than I already have. I already have him at salvation. Yes, you do. But he's got 10 times that. He's got 100 times that. He's got a million, billion, trillion times that if you would just reach out and receive it from the power of the Holy Spirit because he's got so much more in store for us. I don't want to sell ourselves short. Now, I know there are many here this morning that are already experiencing the daily power of the Holy Spirit in their life, and I encourage you to continue to do that. And I encourage you to continue to review the scriptures that we're going to go through today and, and, and bring them solidly in our hearts and our lives. If you're on the journey of seeking out the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, maybe you've never experienced it, or maybe you did once and you haven't been able to do it again, or whatever that experience where you're at, I want to be able to give you these scriptures that you can read over time and time and time again. I I don't think that we can do it justice by preaching. It's not an issue of coming in and listening to a man preach. It's an issue of a person getting into the word of God and be like the Bereans and go in and study it for yourselves and understand what the word of God says about these things so that you're not being uh, convinced by a man's smooth talk. You're certainly not going to convince by my smooth talk because I'm not a smooth talker. So you're not a, it's not about me. It's not about any pastor. It's not about any evangelist. It's about you and the Word. And when you and get into the Word, the, the, God, the Word of the God's Word, and start digging it up for yourselves, the Holy Spirit will bring it alive. If you're asking for it, He'll bring it alive. And it'll become obvious to you, and it'll give you a hunger in your heart. I want to break this scriptures down that we're going to talk about into four different categories. We're going to talk about prophetically promised, that the gift of the Holy Spirit was prophetically promised through the Old Testament. And I'm just basically, I'm just skimming the verses. There's so much more. I'm just trying to give you what we can get in the next half an hour. Then we want to talk about Christ's teaching of the promise of the Holy Spirit. We want to talk about the scriptures that talk about the fulfillment of the promise of the Holy Spirit. And then we want to talk about the application and the benefit of the promise of the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about each one. Let's break them down. Prophetically, we were promised the baptism of the Holy Spirit and all the gifts that come along with it. And the importance of understanding prophetically the gifts that they are coming is to help us deal with any potential pushback that we might have of our flesh. Because when they're prophesied, when they were declared hundreds and thousands of years ago that God was going to do something, then we could have assurance that what God is doing is real. That it's not man-made, it's not enticement, it's not manipulation, it's not, it's not of the devil. I'll tell you right now, the Holy Spirit is not of the devil. The Holy Spirit's presence in this world today is not a demonic influence. Now, 
There can be false teachings. Yes there, yes, there can be. And there can be false manifestations. Yes, there can be. But that's why I'm talking about getting into God's word so that we know that we're dealing with God's word, not a demonic influence or not a false teaching. All right? So I'm, in, I'm encouraging you to dig into this word for yourself so that you know that it's not a smooth man, it's not a religion, it's not a denomination. It is God's word that's speaking to us prophetically. Joel chapter 2, verse 28 and 29, and it says, And afterward I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Now understand the prophet Joel wrote these words some 830 years or so before Christ was even born. This was 800 years before Jesus came, in on, came on the scene and he was writing them under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit was active in the Old Testament. You can read many scriptures where the Holy Spirit came on people in the Old Testament and thus influenced them and led them and directed them. But the Holy Spirit comes in the New Testament age in the spirit of the in the, in the age of the Spirit, differently than he came on the Old Testament people, but it's the same Holy Spirit. It's not a different Holy Spirit. It's the same Holy Spirit. And so Joel was prophesying. He was seeing in the future by the, by the power of the Holy Spirit that there would be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on all people differently than what was happening in the Old Testament because in the Old Testament, it would come on one individual or a group of people like Moses. And then of those that Moses selected, uh, to help him lead, there was a baptism, or the this Holy Spirit came upon a group of people, and they prophesied in the camp, and so they came on individuals, but not like it is today. Today, the Holy Spirit comes for all believers, for every person. There is a second work of the Holy Spirit that is available to all people, irrelevant of your age or your gender or your position in life. Just what Paul, Paul or, uh, Joel was saying here. All, your old men and will dream dreams, your young men will see visions, and in both men and women, all ages, there is no limitation of who the Holy Spirit is for today. Peter quoted this prophetic passage on the day of Pentecost, explaining that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that day, on the day of Pentecost, was the beginning of the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. It was the beginning. It wasn't the end. It was the beginning of the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. And all the New Testament writers at that day were filled with and baptized with the Holy Spirit as a second experience from their salvation experience, which they received earlier when Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. That was their moment of salvation. The day of Pentecost comes, and it is the endowment, the power of the Holy Spirit coming on them to influence them to be the people they needed to be to build the church. And we need that same power in our life to live out the church. We need that same power in our life today in a very dark and broken world. Remember, the devil has had 2,000 years to, to spend strategies against this. 2,000 years to, to spend all kinds of lies against the power of the Holy Spirit because he doesn't want the Holy Spirit to be powerful today. He doesn't want it to be used today because if it's not used, then he has more of a chance to win. He has more of a chance to defeat people. But when I'm full of the Holy Spirit and full of power, the Holy, the Holy Spirit is my advocate. He is my comforter. He is my warrior. He is my protector. And he goes before me, and the devil can do nothing about it because the power of the Holy Spirit's rising up within me and within you. And with that, we win. Amen. Joel anticipates that one of the primary results of the Holy Spirit being poured out on people, and no matter on what, how old they are, or what their sex is. It, it doesn't make any difference. It's all to benefit the whole group of generations to come. John the Baptist also prophetically prophesies the coming of the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. What's he saying here? What's John the Baptist saying? He's the forerunner of Christ. What John the Baptist is saying is that I'm baptizing with water. I'm baptizing the physical man in, under repentance. But there's coming a day when Jesus, when he's fulfilled, when he's glorified, 
And again, I don't think John the Baptist had any idea truly the power that he was talking about here. But when Jesus is glorified and he can baptize me and you in the power of the Holy Spirit, that's a different baptism than what John was baptizing you with because John was baptizing for repentance. Jesus is baptizing in the Holy Spirit for power and fire, ability to do mighty works, supernatural works. I love it what Janine said in Sunday school today, how when I allow the Holy Spirit to work through me, I can be a superman because the Holy Spirit's making me super, right? It's the Holy Spirit in me that makes me super. It's the Holy Spirit in you that makes you super woman, super boy, super girl, super grandma, super intercessor. It's in when he fills us, he supercharges us, and now we can do all things in Christ because the Holy Spirit is giving us the power. Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit. I, I'm just hitting the highlight here of all the verses, but John chapter 16, verse 7, Jesus foretells himself. Jesus teaches us. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away unless I go away the advocate or the counselor or the comforter or the paraclete or the helper. He will not come to you, if, but if I go, I will send him to you. So Jesus is going away and sending the Holy Spirit now to be with all people at all times. When Jesus was walking the earth, remember, he was a man. And even in his glorified body, he was still limited to be one place at one time. The Holy Spirit is a spirit. And the Holy Spirit is omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipowerful. And he can be at all places at all times. So when Jesus says, I'm going away, I'm going away, but I'm sending him, I'm sending an advocate to you that can be with all people at all times and he can empower you supernaturally. Then Jesus goes on more and talks more about the Holy Spirit and how important it is that, that, that we're believing Christ's teaching. Do you believe, would you believe it if Jesus came and taught it? Would you believe it? If Jesus taught it, would you believe it? John chapter 7, verse 38 and 39. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this, he meant the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. What Jesus is saying here is that there, the Holy Spirit will flow out of a man like rivers of water flowing out of his belly, that the Holy Spirit will over supercharge you and overflow you to the point that you cannot contain it and it will flow out of you in power and in strength. The Holy Spirit is already in the man at salvation. But when, what Jesus is talking about here is that those who believed in him were later to receive. You see that? Two points. Who, those who believed in him were later to receive, up to that time the Spirit did not be given, because Jesus was still there. So the Holy Spirit now comes in an area of baptism. John chapter 14, verse 15 through 17. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. forever. The Spirit of the truth, the Spirit of truth, for the world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit is with us and in us. He's with us, then he becomes in us when we're saved and when we're baptized. The promise of the Holy Spirit is that it's more than just initially receiving the salvation, but it is that continuation of that daily experience of receiving the Holy Spirit within us, and we need that empowerment from him. And then Luke chapter 11 Verse 11 through 13, Jesus says again, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So if Jesus is referring to us as children, it's obvious that he's already transferred us, we've already been transferred into the family of God. Right? We're all, he, so therefore, we're already saved. And then he's saying, if you ask, God will send you another gift of the Holy Spirit because he knows how good it is for you to receive it. And if you will give good gifts to your children, dads, in this physical life, do you not know that our Heavenly Father will only give us more good gifts? 
through the Holy Spirit. And so he's equating now the Holy Spirit to a good gift. Because in Matthew, we, what we first read, we, he said that he would give us good gifts. In Luke, the Luke's translation says he will give you the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit and the good gifts are synonymous. They're the same thing. Jesus is telling us this morning, he says, I want to fill you with the good gifts of the Holy Spirit to overflowing, and I want to immerse you or baptize you in all the power you can contain if you would only open your heart and receive it. That's Jesus' call to us. He just wants to fill us with God's good gifts. That's what he wants to do. It's very simple. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Again, Jesus is saying, I want to baptize you. If Jesus wants to give you something, wouldn't it be wise to accept it? Do you think that Jesus would give you something that wouldn't be good for you? I don't think so. Mark chapter 16, verse 17, And these signs will accompany those who believe in me. In my name, they will drive out demons. This is Jesus speaking again. And they will speak in new tongues. Christ is all about us receiving the power of the Holy Spirit in all aspects. As Christ says very clearly, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. He's trying to give us a gift. He's trying to say, I have something more for you. Simply, it's up to us to be obedient because we love him and receive it. Don't argue about it. Don't question it. Don't say, well, it doesn't, uh, I, I don't think it's going to be that way. It's not about what I think. It's not about what you think. It's about what God's word says. What are some of the scriptures of the fulfillment of the promise? Let's look at some of those scriptures. Acts chapter 2, 1 through 4, the day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The day of Pentecost is the most widely accepted outpouring of the Holy Spirit ever. It came upon those people and it, came, it overpowered them. It says, all were filled with the Holy Spirit and all spoke in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And this is just as inclusive for us today. Hebrews chapter 13 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever? Yeah, do you believe the Holy Spirit is the same yesterday, today, and forever? If Jesus is the same, then why wouldn't the Holy Spirit be the same? So if Jesus isn't changing... The Holy Spirit shouldn't be changing, right? God the Father's not changing. He never changes as the shadows change or as shifting as the sun changes. He, he doesn't change. Jesus doesn't change. The Holy Spirit doesn't change. What was good for them then is good for us today. We cannot debate the fact that there were baptism and they were speaking in tongues and there were power that flowed out of that. Can we? We cannot debate that happened in the early church. So let's not debate it's for today. It's just as real for us today as it was then. If Jesus hasn't changed, the Holy Spirit hasn't changed. In fact, we probably need it more than ever because we are living in an age where we need the Holy Spirit to live through the times that we're going through. Understand that all of Christ's disciples, including the writers of the New Testament, all were filled with the, baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoken tongues. Everybody that wrote the Scripture was a, full, was a Pentecostal disciple. They all were. So if, if it was good for them, shouldn't it be good for me? Amen. If they needed it, don't you think I need it? Amen. Yes. Why, could, why, could I, why do they need something I don't? Just because I can read God's word, God's word, just because I can read it doesn't mean that I don't need the Holy Spirit to be everything he can be in my life. I need the Holy Spirit. So let's just accept it. The next few scriptures we're going to talk about, it talks about the ease of which the promises was, was received by the early church. And we see from these early church believers that they were able to receive readily for, for whatever reason. See, I don't think they had baggage. I think they had Old Testament thinking, clearly. 
But I don't think they had the baggage about the Holy Spirit that maybe we have. I think there's been a lot of teaching in the past that has brought confusion and hindrance to those for us today that, that we have to work through. I think you get a person that doesn't have any background, get them saved, and they probably will receive the Holy Spirit a lot faster than someone that's grown up in a church that maybe wasn't taught about it because they've got some things to work through. The early church examples where they were saved, they were Paul or Peter laid their hands on them, and they were baptized. It was simple. It was easy. It was quick. But something about the modern church, we've been duped into thinking that God isn't giving us something that we need anymore or something that is not the best thing for us. Where does that thinking come from? It doesn't come from Scripture. Can I, sec- can I suggest that the enemy is the author of that lie? Can I suggest that he's bringing the confusion here? I would say let's be like the early church and let's simply receive the promised gifts of the Spirit as they did. Let's read some of these passages. Acts chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 10, verse 44 through 47. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. That was in the house of Cornelius. Came in, preached. While he was even preaching for salvation, they got saved, and immediately they began speaking in tongues. The Holy Spirit came immediately on them. There was no question. There was no debate. There was no theology discussion. The Holy Spirit just fell on them. Just simply received the gift. Acts chapter 19 Verses 2 through 6. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they they replied, That's John the Baptist. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, They were baptized in water, baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Just like that. That simple. It didn't require a lot of fanfare. I think maybe we make it too difficult. We struggle too hard with it. Just believe it. Just ask for it, and let him give it to us and receive it. It's simple. Simple. What are some application and benefits of the promise of the Holy Spirit? Understanding how the baptism of the Holy Spirit helps a person on a daily basis in our life should give us more of a hunger for what God has to offer. So these verses will help us understand how the Spirit helps us in our daily prayer life, in our ability to minister in a way that God pleases, and it helps us to live a holy and righteous life. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 14 through 15. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my understanding. Having the ability to pray and to worship God in a fashion that directly communicates to God is a real source of power. It's a real source of authority, not in me, but in the Holy Spirit. When I pray in my spirit, the Holy Spirit's praying through me. I'm part of it. I'm partnering with it, but it's not my mind. It's not my heart. It's not my physical man. No, it's, I'm using my vocal cords, and I'm, and I'm speaking, but I'm partnering with the Holy Spirit that now he now is then speaking and praying in the spirit for me, in the spirit, in a language, in a way that only God understands. And I can also pray in my mind. And I should pray in both. 
I should have the, the ability to pray, Father, here are my needs. Father, I love you. Father, here's what's going on in my life. This is what I need. And I should have the ability to pray in my mind. And I, when I pray in the Spirit, I can do both. And when I do both, I am being obedient to God's Word. Having the ability to pray this way helps me get through those times when I am so burdened with something that I don't know how to pray. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever woken up in the night or all of a sudden you get this impulse or this urge that comes on you and you just don't know what to do with this? There's such a burden here. I don't know how to pray. That's a great time to pray in the Spirit. That's a great time just to close your eyes and say, It's a great time when I would say, Father, I need you. I don't know what I'm praying for, but there's something in me that is just boiling up inside of me. And the spirit man allows the spirit to pray through me. And when I do that, I am speaking directly to the Father of heaven, directly to the creator of all things. And now he and I are in relationship, talking at a level that only he and I can do. The devil sits in the sidelines. He's out of the picture. He's out of the equation. That's a perfect opportunity to pray in the Spirit. It's a perfect way to do that. It's a perfect relationship builder. Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit intercedes himself, intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. The Greek word translated as helps in this passage is a Greek word too long. I can't even, I, I can't pronounce it, so I'm not even going to try. But it's a complex word that means the Holy Spirit takes hold of. Listen to this. The Holy Spirit takes hold of our weaknesses, that he totally understands us, and he himself pleads our case before the Father. That's powerful. The Holy Spirit takes hold of my weaknesses takes hold of the burdens within me. And he himself is the intercessor now. He himself is going to the Father on my behalf, pleading the case in perfect will of God. He becomes our intercessor as we allow him to pray heavenly words that we don't understand, but God does, that are in perfect agreement with the will of God in that, for that specific situation that we're praying about. It's in perfect agreement with the will of God. I can pray in my mind and not be in the will of God. I can pray in my mind with all my best intentions and not be praying the will of God. But when I pray in my spirit, the spirit prays only the will of God. It cannot pray contrary to the will of God. What a way to develop peace and joy in the, in the life of the believer by, allow, by allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us, to lead us in the way of everlasting. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves. What does edify mean? To build up. Anyone who speaks in a tongue, you're building up yourself. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with the building up yourself if it's, in, if it's in Christ. Jude chapter 20 and 21. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Pray in that way. Remember, speaking in tongues edifies the speaker in that as we obediently pray in the Spirit, it's our faith that is being used with the authority and, and, it, and in the agreement of God's will through the power of the Holy Spirit. Our faith is being built up. Developing a Spirit-led heavenly prayer language builds a person's faith as it's used to intercede as the Spirit leads us in anticipation of what it really means to, be, to have eternal life, to, to know really what it means to have a life with Christ. It develops patience and gives us hope for what is to come with the glimpses of God's mercy and his power and his answers of prayer today. It's a direct application of the promise of the baptism is allowing the power of the Holy Spirit to flow through us, through the person, giving us the ability to speak the truth of the gospel or the good news of Jesus Christ. It gives us the power to witness. 
Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Everyone, this is important, everyone can talk the talk. But I believe a direct application of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not only given us a boldness to talk, but it's also given us the ability to walk the talk. It's also given us the ability to be more effective because the Holy Spirit leads us into righteousness. And the more that I seek the Holy Spirit, if I have a temptation, and I have temptations come my way, and so do you, the best way for me to get out of that temptation is praying the Spirit. The best way for me to look the other way is to pray in the Spirit. The best way for me to avoid that slander, that gossip, is to pray in the Spirit. Yeah, I can pray in my, I can pray in my mind, but when I pray in the Spirit, something happens. It just takes me out of that situation. It lifts me out of that junk, and it just puts me in a different level because I'm praying in the Spirit now where I cannot be thinking this, I cannot be imagining that and praying in the Spirit at the same time. It helps me. Ezekiel chapter 36, 26 and 27, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. The Holy Spirit helps me to live a life honoring to God. It's a great way. It's a great hedge of protection for myself. So as we conclude this today, and as you review the past number of weeks, I've gone through and I've listened to all those um, messages for the past weeks on the Holy Spirit. And I know they've been deliberate, and I know they've been slow, and I know they've been principle upon principle. But I tell you what, it has given me a more hunger to seek God with all of my heart. It's given me a more passion that I would not want to miss anything that God has for me. I don't want to miss anything. I don't want to be afraid of what God has for me. I may not understand it. When God moves in power and I have discernment or the gift of faith or a gift of prophecy or a gift of tongues or interpretation, whatever those gifts of the Spirit are, yeah, it might make me a little unsettled because maybe I'm out of control. But I don't want to have the fear of that. I want to embrace that because I want to look at that as a gift of God, a good gift that only God would want to give us. And I hope that it's helped you as well. And that as we've gone through these scriptures, and I would ask you if you're struggling in this area, if there's anything in here that you struggle with, then go back and read the scripture again and again and follow it and get in a good Bible study and and study the, the Holy Spirit. Study him for who he is, and then let him show you how important he is in your life. I guarantee you he will. If you're seeking him, he will, he will, he will answer your questions. He wants a daily relationship with each one of us so that we would pray continuously in the Spirit, as in Ephesians chapter 6, 18 tells us, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. As we pray in the Spirit here, there is never an inappropriate time to pray in the Spirit. I will tell you that right now. It may be to yourself. Maybe it's not appropriate to pray out loud in a church service because that might cause some confusion if it's your personal prayer language. But there's never a wrong time for you to be praying in your mind, to be whispering under your breath. I can think of many times I was walking the halls of Ford Motor Company praying in tongues as I was going from meeting to meeting because I didn't know what else to do. So I would just walk down the hallway. I got guys bustling all along both sides of me and I'm praying. And I'm praying in my mind, you know what? And he hears all of that. I don't have to be praying loudly. I don't have to be praying boldly. I don't have to be praying obnoxiously. You know what? That's stern heaven. That's stern heaven because me and God are talking. I'm whispering, but he's hearing it all loud and clear. Amen. That's intercession. That's what we do. That's what it's all about. 
This morning, I want to give us an opportunity again for those that haven't received it. I want to pray with you. Now, I understand that the early church, it was easy because they didn't have baggage. They didn't have stuff that they had to deal with. Maybe you have questions. Maybe you do. And maybe it's going to take more for you, and that's okay. Maybe it's going to take some time of you digging into God's Word, and, and maybe He'll fill you alone in your private time. And if He does, amen. I hope He does. But there's also an example that Paul and Peter and James and all these guys use, John, they laid hands on those. There's something about laying hands on people. It's not about the people laying hands on it. It's the obedience of doing it. So this morning, if you want to this morning, we want to give you the opportunity. We're going to open the altars here in a minute. And we're just going to, all those that can pray in the Spirit, I'm going to ask you to come down with me. And we just want to lay hands on those that would want to receive it. And we're just going to ask the Lord for the, for, for the gift. We're not going to belabor it. We're not going to wiggle your jaw. We're not going to slay you. We're not going to knock you over. We're just going to say, Holy Spirit, this is the gift. Jesus, we know you want to give us good gifts. We want to receive it in Jesus' name. And if you want to do that, we're, we'd welcome you. If you want to wait and do it at home, that's okay too. I am not putting the pressure on. I'm just asking you to be obedient to what the Spirit's leading you to do as we speak. Amen? So we're going to sing. If you want to come down, we'd pray with you. If you don't, tell me when you do get filled. Tell me, come back and report to us when it does happen, because it will. If you seek the Lord with all your heart, and if you read the Word, and if you allow those scriptures to get, in your, get inside of you, you will be filled. He will not give you a promise He will not keep. It's for all people.
Your glory. 